Welcome to the Doe Valley Ministry Podcast, where you can find faithful teaching and preaching of the Word of God. Our scripture reading this morning is Mark, chapter 12, verse 28 to 34. Mark, chapter 12, verse 28 to 34. This is nearing the end of of Christ's ministry. It's not too long after this that the plot comes about to kill Jesus. But up until this point in time, Christ has been going around the, the countrysides, hitting the towns, hitting the cities, and teaching and preaching to everyone he sees. And some people would come with legitimate questions and, and ask the questions, well, other times, especially the scribes, the Pharisees, and other religious leaders would try to trick him, try to catch him into saying something that he shouldn't have said. And that's what we have here today. The scribes come to him with a question. Which is the first commandment of all? Mark chapter 12, verse 28 to 34. Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them, reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, Which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, This first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth, for there is one God, and there is no other but he. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, now when, when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to them, You are not far from the kingdom of God. But after that, no one dared question him. This is the word of our Lord. It's a very familiar scripture to all of us, and it really doesn't need much explanation. But we know that, that, that we all have needs in life beyond the basics, you know, beyond food, beyond clothing, beyond shelter, beyond security. And we see this in our scripture this morning. All people need some type of worth, some type of value, some, some type of intimacy with others. And of course, intimacy with God. And all other laws of scripture really hang on this great commandment. In other words, if we are loving God and we're loving others, everything else just kind of falls into place. And life works out for us. And not only for us, but for the glory of God. If we obey the great commandment, then we're really obeying all the other commandments. Love God, love your neighbor, and love yourself. Simple. But how do we do this? How does this give us a happy, fulfilling, meaningful life? 
Well, this morning I want to look at a few key ideas that should make our life better, make it happier, make it more fulfilling, make it more meaningful. (coughs) First of all, as the greatest commandment says, commit your daily life to be a walk with Christ. Love God. More than anything else, commit yourself to Him daily. Use every day, use every opportunity that comes your way to simply glorify God. Start each day with a praise of thanksgiving. A simple praise like we we heard in our psalmist this morning. Praising God for creation. Ask God to, to give you the opportunity to bring Him glory, however that is. Pray for self-control to get you through the day, the strength to get you through whatever situations are going to arise in your life. Yeah, spend time talking to God, but also reading His Word, meditating on His Word, That's why we have an Old Testament reading and a New Testament reading, in particular from the Psalms, because they are so often praises of God or or people crying out in distress to God, saying, help me. But read His Word. Meditate on it. Think about it. How can you apply it in your life to glorify God, to serve others, to serve Him? You know, it seems as though our brains are, are somehow pre-programmed from childhood to be selfish, to be sinful. More often than not, what do you tell children? The most common word you probably say to them is, no. Right? No, you can't do that. No, sit down. No, calm down. No, don't touch that. It seems as though we, we automatically lean towards doing the wrong thing. And even Paul said this. He says, I do the things I don't want to do and I don't do the things that I want to do. And this is Paul. And you know, the more we do the wrong thing, the easier it is to do again. The prophet Jeremiah saw this. He said back in Jeremiah 17, chapter, uh, chapter 17, verse 9, he said, the heart, is deceitfully, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Yeah. This is nothing new today. Jeremiah saw this. Oh, sure, we, people talk about him and say, oh, yeah, he was a crybaby. All he did is run around and cry. Well, yeah, but he cried about something that that was worth crying about. He saw what people were like. The heart is deceitful, desperately wicked. Yeah, that's us. And we need to reprogram our brains with God's Word, with godly things, if we're going to live a happy, contented life. We need to align our thoughts with God's Word and not the ways of the world. Get rid of that garbage that's bouncing around in our brain 
and replace it with the faithful Word of God. Sometimes that garbage comes from others. Paul says in Ephesians, he tells us to get rid of our grudges daily. We all get angry. But we need to deal with that anger in appropriate ways. Sometimes there's little things set us off. Other times, some of us have more patience. But when we do explode, it's a good one. So we need to deal with our anger in appropriate ways. Jeremiah cried out to God. David cried out to God. But David also took took matters into his own hands at times as well. And then he cried out to God because he screwed up. And when we do screw up, come back to God. That's part of our daily walk. That's part of a meaningful life. I'm convinced that another key to happiness, another key to meaningful life, is taking time to build relationships in your life. To build relationships with your spouse and your children. Sure, we have other close relatives. Our parents will need our time. Our brothers and our sisters will need our time. And they, they have a priority. They're important in our life too. But your spouse, your children, should have the top priority. You know, sometimes conflicts arrive in our family. Especially during the summertime we get together, maybe a Memorial Day picnic, 4th of July picnic that maybe many of us had. And soon, in a couple weeks, we're going to be celebrating Labor Day. I know. It's coming soon. Summer will come to a close. Kids will go back to school. And sometimes when those families get together, there's conflict. But it's important (coughs) to address the issues that come up. Do whatever you can do to resolve those conflicts. Don't seek vengeance, of course. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Instead, create an atmosphere of healing love and leave the rest up to God. Family relationships are tough because you see these people all the time or more frequently than others maybe. And you know so much about those people because you have intimate relationships with your parents, with your children, with your spouse, with your brothers and sisters. You know so much about them. It's tough. But never seek vengeance. Always be willing to forgive. And that goes for friends too. You know, fellowship with with God is of the utmost importance. Your spouse, your children next, your other family members but also your friends. And fellowshipping with other Christians, it's important to your overall well-being, to your spiritual growth. The wise man Solomon wrote in Proverbs 13, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. And how true that is. You hang out with with wise people, with good Christian people, it's going to rub off on you. 
you're hanging out with a rough, tough crowd, it's probably going to rub off on you as well. You know, you really can't choose your family. You're born into your family. Yeah, you have some say-so over your spouse, but you can't really pick your kids. You can't pick your parents. But you can pick your friends. And you need to choose wisely. If they're fellow Christians, like I said, hopefully that rubs off on you. As they go on their spiritual journey, you're part of that journey. And as you go on your spiritual journey, they're part of your journey. You'll feel the effect on each other's lives. On the other hand, if they're Christians in name only, you'll probably feel that effect on your life as well. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't be friends with non-Christians because absolutely we're called to do that. In fact, our life should be a witness to everyone around us. We just need to make sure that their ways don't rub off on us as much as our Christ-likeness will rub off on them. But you see the idea here. The idea is to love others, to be friendly to all, to be peaceable with all, but try to cultivate those deep, meaningful relationships with other Christians that are also maturing in their faith. Making friends today is tough. But you know how you get friends? You go out and be friendly. You have to earn your friends. And today I think it is so tough to have time for family, to have time for friends, because our lives are so cluttered with with stuff, with things. They're all filled up with activities. And we don't have time to cultivate those deep relationships. You know, parents of children, it's like they're just chauffeurs running the kids around, taking them from one event to another. But rather than just taking them to the event, be a part of their life in that event. If they're in sports, help coach or stand on the sidelines encourage them. If it's dance or gymnastics or whatever, be a part of it to develop that relationship. Not just drop them off and say, okay, I'll, I'll be back and pick you up. But be a part of their life. And the same thing with your with adult children or grandchildren or, or parents. Rather than just drop them off at their appointment, doctor's appointment, or drop them off at the store, walk with them and push the cart for them. Sit with them in the doctor's office or whatever it is, just to cultivate, just to be there with them. And you know, many people live a life that's just very haphazard today. It's it's kind of craziness, it seems like. And, and, and I think we've gotten out of our routines. There's so many different things happening that we don't necessarily have a routine. Now, I think some of us that live out here in the country that maybe have animals or, or, or things we have to take care of, we do have a routine. We go out and feed the animals in the morning or, or whatever it is we do. We do have more of a routine. But I think a routine is important for all of us, no matter what stage of life we're in. And our routine needs to have that basic element of the topics that I mentioned here today. Something that's satisfying to you. Something that covers your growth. Something that 
that involves your spouse, your children, your parents, your brothers and sisters. Something that involves your neighbors, your friends. It's the idea of being convinced that this is what God wants for your life. That's where you find your joy. That's where you find your peace. That's where you find your satisfaction serving your God through your everyday, mundane, routine tasks. Take time for God. Take time for yourself. Take time for your family. Time for your job. And, of course, time to glorify God in everything that we do. You want to be happy and share that joy? You want to feel like you have a meaningful life? It doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter how you're feeling physically. Do something nice for someone else. It doesn't matter who. It doesn't matter what. Just something nice. If you're feeling energetic, it could be something physical. Breaking the leaves, cutting the grass for the neighbor. It could be a visit. You like to get out and talk. Go visit someone. Talk to someone in a nursing home. Talk to someone that's shut in their, their house. Make a phone call. Boy, John's is having a birthday here. I personally haven't seen him for years. I, I don't know when, when he moved exactly, but he was a faithful member of this church for many years. What a wonderful time to reconnect. Send him a birthday card. And as, as Larry mentioned, Rose, his wife, coming up in, in, a, in a few months. It doesn't have to be expensive or time-consuming. Just do something nice for someone else. In each week or each day, simply ask God, what can I do today? Show me someone who needs something. Just a smile, a kind word. And we don't do this to make ourselves feel good, to you know, lift our chin high and say, look how good I am. We do this because this is what God wants. And I truly believe that if you love God, if you love others, and you love yourself, you will find doing all of these things mentioned here today will give you that happy, that meaningful, that fulfilled life that we all long for. Of course, for anyone who truly knows Jesus Christ and receives Him as Lord and Savior of their lives, will indeed have a happy, eternal life with Him already. Let's close with a prayer this morning. Lord, we thank You for our time in Your Word this morning. Help us this week to focus our life on living out Your will for us. Help us to love You, to love others, and to love ourselves. Make, our desire, make your desires our desires so that you will be honored and glorified through us during our normal, routine, daily tasks. It's in Christ's name that we pray and give thanks. Amen.